to the Back in Business podcast. I'm business journalist, broadcaster and podcaster, Mickey Clark. And I'm small business journalist, Liz Barkley. We've been to Cardiff and Belfast and today is Glasgow and the small businesses in Glasgow that are getting our attention. Yep, Glasgow is getting ready to host COP26 or COP26, the 26th UN Climate Change Conference. It should have been last year, but will take place in November 2021 at the Scottish Event Campus. And it will give businesses and self-employed people here the chance to get involved. The hotels, the restaurants, the tourism destinations are all hoping to make up for some of the lost revenue of the pandemic. And we'll be talking to three Glasgow guests shortly. Mickey, um, I know at this point we usually talk about what's been going on during the week. um, And there's not been that much. But one thing that caught my eye was the Bank of England's optimism that we're not going to go into a second recession, really? Well, well in, in fairness to the Bank of England, it, it's been fairly upbeat since the start of the, the, the lockdown. Um, it, its figures haven't changed drastically, which I'm sure, you know, Declan, our business editor, will, will you know, confer. But Andrew Bailey he seems to be a bit more upbeat than his predecessors, you know, because a lot of that was about Brexit. This was about the pandemic. And he did say from the start that, he expected unemployment to reach 7%. Well, they're now saying it's likely to be less than 8 but more than 7 So their figures haven't changed drastically. And what he's saying is that, you know, once the figures have um, come out and we all get the jabs, then we're going to have a, a much better time of doing things. And I think that could be right. But we said last week that the economy actually might take a little bit longer to bounce back than it has done with previous estimates. Shall we let is Mickey that, answer his phone? Because it's, it's, probably, for you, it's probably his butcher or his bookie or something. So it's more it's, important no, than it's, this. It's one of my daughters. The aforementioned Declan oh, Curry. Uh, that, Declan, that's the first time he's called you the business editor. It's usually less flattering. <laughs> that git is what he usually says. <laughs> but what's, what's your take on the Bank of England's optimism? Well, please. Yeah, uh, it's, they're, they're saying it's going to get worse and then it's going to get better. Um, so they're predicting... Well, we could have uh, told them that. Well, yes. Uh, and, you know, Mickey, you're right. What's been striking about a lot of the commentary from the Bank of England, particularly its chief economist, Andy Haldane, is how far off the market has been. Andy Haldane thought we would have been well into recovery by now, and we haven't. These predictions are coming from uh, a slightly different bit of the bank. These are from the Monetary Policy Committee, the people who set interest rates and decide how much cheap credit to pump in. They say the economy is going to shrink by 4% this spring. Now, in normal times, that would be catastrophic. That would be huge. But given where we are in the pandemic, we've had worse and we've come through it. Then they say after that, once more and more people get vaccinated, once the restrictions start to ease, then the recovery really does build. But it's still this time next year before we get back to zero, before we get back to where we were before the pandemic struck. Which is, I mean, I've been saying all along, we talked about the, the unemployment numbers, we talk about the GDP numbers, and, and really, they're a load of cobblers, because you, if there's no economy ticking over, the car's not going anywhere, you're not going to clock up any mileage, so what's the point in monitoring it? Um, well, you know, you've got to wait till we're back to normal. It's a bit like trying to monitor the blood pressure when you know the patient's not breathing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you are you thinking specifically about Mickey here when you're saying that? <laughs> I, 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 I keep a close eye on his health from a uh, remote distance. Um, the unemployment numbers 
uh, Mickey, you remember so the recession, the credit crunch, the recession of the 90s, the recession of the 80s. Liz and I and Simon remember them as well and how unemployment was so much higher then than it is now. Well, that's because we have the furlough scheme. And every time you see that unemployment is at 5%, you've got to remind yourself that were it not for the furlough scheme, it would be closer to 9 or 10%. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I mean, the furlough scheme has flattered to deceive um, because we don't really know who's employed and who's not. And when it runs out, of course, there will probably be another flood of job losses, um, you know, people suddenly looking around. And it won't come just from people that are on furlough. It will come from people who've, you know, lost their businesses, had to wind it up. They're not on the, the, the list. Um, they will be looking to either apply for a full-time job somewhere or or maybe even get their own businesses off the ground. Uh, and that brings me to another point, um, which I saw uh, yesterday. I've been drastically trying to find it on, on the, um, the phone because it's, it's, a, it's a local story. It's from Kent. And it's about the number of new business startups in our county. And I was gobsmacked. And, you know, once again, y- you try and listen to the, the news bulletins of a night and they, they latch onto a businessman. And the BBC and Sky are desperate to find somebody who's saying, you know, I'm teetering over the edge, I'm suicidal. And they ain't there. They're saying, no, we're ready to go. It's been tough, but we are looking forward to growth in the future. And it's, it, it's the one thing that struck me throughout this past year, how optimistic small businesses are about the future and, and how buoyant they are. But you've uh, come on, our, our guests on this podcast have been saying that for months. Um, all the way through, I yeah, yeah, so I'm saying, yes, you know, the, the, optimism. the resilience yeah. is, is extraordinary because I, I would have thought I'd have probably been near to suicidal with some of the monetary problems that they've had. You know, taken on loans, don't need the loan, but we've got the money there just in case mm. of an emergency. Yeah. And you know, as well as I do, if you want to expand your business, all well and good, but if you're just borrowing to keep it ticking over, mm. that's not a good business plan, no, and, and that's, and that's the worry for be. a lot of them. No. Uh, yeah. uh, Simon McVickers, our Director of Public yeah. Affairs Policy and Communications. Simon, um, you just going back to what we were talking yeah. about before, the optimism, uh, yes. you must have a view on, from a political yes. standpoint. Well, I, 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 think, uh, I think there is some optimism in the air, um, and it is filtering into the political world, of course. Um, I mean, the vaccine success is, is hugely important in all of this. And, uh, you know, as it continues at, at a pace and then we see all the international comparisons and, you know, the EU row and the French and all of that. Um, actually, it makes us pretty proud in this country of what we're doing. And so I think that's giving optimism and it's giving the politicians optimism. Uh, I also back to the Bank of England's uh, uh, prediction. Of course, uh, they have always been optimistic. And I am interested to see how the unemployment figures feed into the economy later on in the year. But uh, very interesting, there was a program on the radio this morning, and it was talking about the fact the vast majority of people, of course, who will not be unemployed, who will continue to work, have been saving for the last year or so. So the personal finance, people have, are feeling better off than for a long time and I think the bank thinks that that's going to be a splurge in the economy once the restrictions are lifted which is okay for those people who have been able can to afford it. to work yeah, from but home the, the, but the point can of afford- the matter is is 80 to 90 percent of people that's the point yeah the other I, people I agree there but but the vast majority of people are in this position which will be good for the economy 
Yeah, great for the economy, but we've still got to be careful that we don't ignore the fact that the other 20% who haven't been able to carry on well, working not as much are really struggling. I mean, you know, that may be, it may be more 10% of the economy, but there's it's ever thus in an economy, uh, you know, and there will be imbalances. And maybe this pandemic has made those imbalances greater. But the confidence is coming through now uh, amongst politicians. They're now beginning to talk about opening up and the future. But I am really, really interested to see where they're going to take us uh, in the budget. And, 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 you know, how generous is he going to be? Or when is he wanting to crawl back all this money he's borrowed? And then, of course, we've got the Labour Party at the moment, who are now disintegrating into chaos because they've got no uh, real um, idea what to do they haven't set out an alternative strategy and they're falling behind in the opinion polls just as these crucial local elections are coming up uh, let's not forget what well, lots of small businesses on this podcast have told us that they are really ambitious for the future they're ready to grow again when things start turning around but to survive yes. to keep going this far They've loaded themselves up with debt personally. Yes. They've loaded the companies up with yes. debt personally. And that debt iceberg is something that faces yes. the economy uh, in the months and years ahead. Um, you're right, though, Simon, about the budget. And there's two things to watch for in the budget. One is, has Rishi Sunak learned from the mistakes of Cameron Osborne? And will he resist the urge to choke off spending uh, too soon? to try to balance the books and then fall into the austerity trap of choking off growth in the sake of uh, repaying debt and actually seeing the debt go higher than it otherwise would have been. The other is an interesting line from Rishi Sunak that looking at the rollout of the vaccine and the partnership between the NHS, the state and private pharmaceutical companies, he's going around saying, um, this is where we go in the future, state help for promising high-tech industry. That's where growth is in the future. Enough from us, I think. Uh, let's hear from Glasgow. Um, what's it like for business in Glasgow? The First Minister has confirmed that Scotland will be in full lockdown until at least the end of February. Uh, she said this week that the current restrictions were working, but that COVID infections remain too high. Schools will have a phased reopening from the 22nd of February, I think the date was. Uh, a final decision will be taken on that around mid-February. Uh, Lynn Kennedy, MBE, is founder and editor of Business Women Scotland, uh, one of the biggest communities for female entrepreneurs. Lynn, give us a picture. Give us an overview. What's what's how Scotland, how's Glasgow in particular, and business there, thriving, uh, surviving? Glasgow, I would say, is a ghost town at the moment. Um, there's nothing really happening apart from we're focusing on this new con the conference that's coming in November, as you've rightly said before. It's very much a business destination. It's also a weekend destination. It will come back eventually, but it's really quite struggling. Um, we obviously run organisations for women in business. And so far, it's been very positive, the outlook for women in business. It's mainly women businesses that have really been decimated through this, through having hairdressers, having nail bars. It's a lot of women-led businesses that are kind of on their knees but they've all tried to change what they're actually doing while it's in lockdown and while they've received money from the government. 
So they have their online businesses. So everyone's changed their business model to uh, one lady uh, yesterday I was on a call to. She runs a, a big spa in George Street in the centre of Edinburgh. And she's now doing beauty in a box. So she's got her Valentine's Day people. She's her Christmas Day. She's got birthday things. So effectively, when things open up again, she's going to have another string to her bow. She's got another business because her spa will open up again and she'll have an online business because people will still buy online. I think for all of us here, we're in a, a situation now where we're accelerating two years ahead of where we should have been during the pandemic because we're now doing all these Zoom calls, we've got Zoom meetings, everything's online. So everyone's now um, changing their whole business model. I would say it's um, it's not so doom and gloom. The calls that I've been on from people in Stirling and Aberdeen, everyone's surviving. And I think this year, if we can survive, that is the main thing. But we've all just had to adapt and be a wee bit more creative where we're going to get some money from. Um, if, if the businesses aren't able to go online, are they going to get left behind? Uh, yes, yes, they will. Uh, and uh, hospitality. Yeah, look at Arcadia, BHS. Yeah. They didn't go online, they got stuffed. And yeah. that's the, that is the message that rings clear, chain. not only in retail. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the message that's coming out now. You can have two good businesses, one online, one physical. And the online business is, is going to take over. And, but, no, not, well, yeah. but not everybody's going to be able to do that, Mickey. Well, I mean, it depends on the business to start off with. But certainly, you know, certainly retailers will have to start thinking about that because... There's been a sea change in the way we behave, in the way we run our lives because of lockdown, because of the adjustments we've made. The cashless society is now moving towards us at 100 mile an hour. They're talking about raising the chip and pin to a hundred pound limit from 45. Well, it wasn't so long ago, it was what, 25 quid? And, and that was it. So there's all those sorts of things that you're gonna have to take into account. If it's not going online, it's going digital anyway. Um, and I think that's something they need. Lynn, while you're on, um, there's been reports in the past few days about women who run businesses um, or work from home or try to work from home who have been stymied by childcare. Yes. Is that something you're coming across? Yes, over and over and again. I, I think this is one of the things that employers have to understand as well for women to thrive. They, they automatically think the childcare issues go to the females. So, of course, you're working from home and you've got childcare issues. So... So many calls, people are sitting beside their children and they're trying to work as well. I had a call last week with the BBC with all their new bite-sized programmes. So they've been really proactive in trying to, it used to be frowned upon if you'd sit your child in front of the TV. Now it's actually a really good thing because the BBC, I'm not too sure, BBC Scotland anyway, working with the Scottish Government and uh, John Swinney and trying to put different um, age group programmes out so they'll allow women to actually get ahead and try and get some work done because the education system, obviously they can get that through the TV programmes, whether you're a visual learner or whether you're a reader as well. So they've tried to work both ways, even with children with dyslexia and various things. So I think there is, a, there is an issue with that, but then that's all about educating the employers as well. I, I think that I think that's ex that's an extremely important point. The educating the employers as well, but 
because I think it's not necessarily hit home, has it? I had a very distraught call this morning <laughs> from a friend who, uh, uh, well, about 40 minutes of, um, I can't, I can't work and look after the child at the same time. Yeah. And it's, it's very, very difficult. Employers don't seem to Employers, really get it. Uh, they don't understand unless they're in that situation. But I think it's still the, the child care issues still get passed to the mother, whether you're working or not. And I'm not being sexist. It's just it, that's just not caught up yet. With what's Although we have uh, we have been told by quite a few dads too. hang on a minute, uh, this affects us as well. And I think that's uh, absolutely clear that anybody who's trying to work from home. You know what, if you've got two parents and three children and everybody's at home. Um, on that note, let's bring in Joe and Tony Burns. Uh, Joe and Tony run a gym in Hope Street, I think you said, in Glasgow. Now, um, the fitness business uh, is terrific in terms of uh, everybody wants to keep fit in the middle of this lockdown. If you can't get out to do your exercise, you need fitness. Um, but are you managing to be agile and go online and uh, uh, live in this digital era? Yeah, I think as Lynn says, businesses who go online are going to thrive. And maybe some of the physical ones are going to be left behind at the moment. Um, we have managed to go online. We did go into care homes before. Um, we've got two parts of the business, we've got the care home and the physical, sorry, the personal training side. So we have clients that we have to, they can't come in just now. So we've had to take them online and give them kind of um, constant help, if you want to say. The care home stuff, at the start of lockdown, we managed to rack our heads together. And as Lynn says, go online with it. And that's where we're going. And we're constantly on these Zoom calls, as yeah. we say. Yeah, Zooms, Zooms became the norm for us. <clears throat> as Tony said, we have a private personal training studio. Um, that just came to a complete halt, um, which was a real shame. So what we did at the start of the first lockdown, I'm trying to figure out when that was, almost a year ago, um, we basically gave, we opened up all our social media platforms and put out free content for everyone um, because we couldn't offer the same value for money as we do in a face-to-face -face session with your rack with gym equipment, etc. So we just gave away, we built up an eight-week <laughs> online program and just gave it to everyone for the duration. And I think we got like 150 people signed up for that. And, and it kind of kept them busy. We checked in with some people. Uh, but as Tony said, we also have the care home piece. So we've managed to thrive in a different way. Um, we used to visit care homes and perform functional exercise classes to the elderly residents because it was one major gap in the market that we've seen. PT, as you know, is a, a glamour-based industry, but actually, most importantly, it's to look after your health and well-being. And the elderly need it more than anyone because there's reduction in bone density, reduction in muscle mass as you get older. And, and these people are sometimes, you know, just left behind, uh, yeah. sitting in an armchair. So <laughs> I see Mickey shaking his head. The very, the very thought of it is making him feel. Uh, my, my muscles used to ripple. Now it's just my belly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only, the only ripple you knew about was raspberry ripple. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you, um, your business lads. I mean, do you see yourself as a sort of mini peloton? Is that the sort of market you're now looking at, or are you looking at the guy who stands on the front of Facebook and, and does the, you know the home exercising? To be honest, Mickey, we are we're actually gearing our services. We want to change the way fitness in the elderly sector is viewed because there's not enough kind of people looking at it. It's just neglected. Personal training is such a saturated industry. And to answer your question about Peloton, no, um, we are more looking at 
changing the way fitness is done within the elderly community. So, we, I mean, you talk about digitalization. If anybody's behind in that area, it's care homes. They've been almost forced into going digital. And, and we've managed to, I mean, without sounding tone deaf, we understand a lot of people have lost their jobs, lives, and, and that's horrible. But we've actually managed to see this as a huge opportunity um, to take our, we managed to scale our business without employing people. Like we sell us, ultimately. So when we went into a care home, delivered the session, we sold us as people. And the worry for us about scaling the business was, well, how do we, how do we get to other, not to sound arrogant, but we deliver a great service where we respect for the elderly. Uh, we, we add music and et cetera. And it's, it's a really good service. So that was a worry. Then the pandemic hit. Care homes were put in a lockdown before anyone else, if you guys remember that far back. And, and suddenly these people that needed the most, they couldn't see loved ones, family, never mind have external suppliers come in and do activities, exercise, whatever it may be. <clears throat> so for us, we had to, as Tony said, we wrapped our brains together. It's very, very complex dealing with exercise and elderly adults, which is why a lot of people shy away from it. Getting in one-to-one -one physically is very difficult, yeah. and giving them weights as well. So going digital has been even harder, actually. So you're seeing them only through a screen. So we need to look out for the posture. So we we'll always give like technique shoes, but we rely heavily on the wellbeing staff, and they've been absolutely fantastic just now as well. So yeah. it's a one-team approach. It's been really so far. Do you have any idea how your competition's faring? Are they still are they still closed? Are they still locked down? Are they going digital too? Everyone's locked down. I think what a lot of people do is, is they will take their offering and try and do online Zoom like classes with like our clients, we will we give them workouts, we chat with them regularly, we keep in touch, make sure I mean ultimately our business is now driving towards the care home piece. That's where we are looking to head anyway. We'll still keep on a handful of clients in a private studio. But ultimately, for us, we come into personal training. We actually looked at the very start to like to launch a boutique studio in Glasgow because it doesn't have that. And we looked, we took inspiration from London, but you need a lot of capital up front to do that, to make it look the way you wanted, like they do shirt iron services, dry cleaning, etc. But then you realize as well, Glasgow is not London. So we learned that very quickly. PT is a saturated industry, like you said, it's glamour driven. So for us, we had to take ourselves away and look at the big picture. Well, what's not saturated? What's a niche? And working with the elderly is. It's not glamorous, but at the same time, it definitely there is a business. <clears throat> Without trying to, to undermine your business, lads, what, what, what I'm trying to get out here, you, you've gone down the route of the, the care homes. And the care homes industry has undergone a, a sea change in recent years anyway. Um, not so long ago, I mean, you probably won't remember, but not so long ago, a lot of these care homes were privately owned. Um, they did a lot of um, restructuring financially, um, sale and lease back of properties. Um, they racked up debt. There was a lot of private equity came in. And as a result, many of them went to the wall. Um, also, of course, they were upset by the fact that local authorities decided to cut the spend on care homes um, for the, you know, the people who couldn't afford private health care. Is that a worry for you that you may be affected by budgets in that sector in the years ahead? I think we just, we try and focus ourselves that anything can happen at any time, but we just need to be prepared for delivering the best service we possibly can. We've, we offer a cost effective model as well. So because we can now, if you look at the amount of people on this call at the moment, now, like we would go into one care home, we were constrained by time. Now we can offer our service. We can have 100 care homes on a Zoom call. But you, like our business model, you charge per care home per session, Mickey. So it's very cost effective. All right. So what they would have paid before for an entertainer coming in, like we'll do it for a fraction of the cost. 
still deliver a great service. And we've also, we've got ideas for how we can work in the sector in the future. We've, we probably won't give away everything, but there's certainly, we've, we've just been asked by HC1, who are the UK's biggest care operator in the UK, to deliver sessions to their 328 care homes throughout the UK weekly. And don't, that's give only, away, don't give away our ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, I mean, that's out there, Liz, to be honest, HC1 have asked, like we would be, we delivered a successful pilot to them three, for three months leading up to the festive period. And they've just given us a go ahead to, to do that to to the the benefits outweigh the cost. We've got like a good feedback portal with the receiver feedback, so that's why we've been taken on. But Mackie, anything can happen anytime. But it's all then, about just being creative, isn't it? That's the whole thing. Yeah. You've been creative through this lockdown, and that's what every business has had to do if they want to survive. Hundred percent. And agile. Uh -huh. Yeah. Agile. <laughs> <laughs> but but Lynn, what does this all mean for the city centre, for Glasgow city centre? You said at the beginning it's a ghost town at the moment, um, but is it you know this this phrase that's been bandied about hollowed out? You know where there are no uh, cafes and restaurants and bars and fitness studios etc. Open in the city centre and might not be if we don't get the workers back into the offices etc. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody recently about the commercial property in Glasgow City Centre. And Glasgow City Centre alone is, I think, 80% commercial property. There's very, there's very little city centre living. So this is why you can really see now where there's just empty streets. There's no extra businesses. There's nobody walking about. It literally is a ghost town. And I think this is one of the things that the councils are actually looking at now is trying to, there's so much commercial buildings, beautiful built old Victorian buildings in Glasgow. But I think that's the thing that going forward, there's going to be less people going into the city centre or whether they do go into the city centre, it'll be maybe a three day week because we've now all proven we can work from home. And the stats are looking high that people are actually more productive working at home as well. So and that's the, that's the thing that the London mayor has discovered that, you know, you can price yourself out of the market. Um, you know, London has become so expensive that real Londoners can't afford to live there. And if you can avoid that daily commute, which is in many respects, four or five hours of people's days, their lives, um, they're, gonna, they're gonna find an alternative. And because of the pandemic, they have found an alternative. They don't wanna go into London and be robbed blind. Exactly, and it's the same in Glasgow. We don't have the, the big commutes. We think if we've got to commute for half an hour, that's a big commute for Glasgow. But it's actually it's the reuse of uh, commercial buildings. I think is going to be key going forward as well. So yes, it's very much a ghost town, and all the little cafes and restaurants and things. Glasgow's a very much a party city. I think the guys would agree with me that even it's a business destination. Working with Glasgow Marketing Bureau, they do a fantastic job of attracting different uh, European conferences over to the campus, which is down in uh, Glasgow, down at the Hydro. And it's fantastic for that reason. There's different areas have now popped up, all just restaurants and bars. So hospitality industry is key for Glasgow regions too. So like everywhere in the country that has been completely decimated. So it'll be interesting going forward, but I think it's going to take a long time to come back, if I'm honest, but it will come back because it's a, a business destination as well as a weekend destination. Yeah, I think that's, when you walk about, all you see is to let like huge, like mm -hmm. successful businesses in the past, like I'm thinking more restaurants, Regano, one of Glasgow's oldest restaurants yeah. and very popular. I don't know, like it's, it seems to be as if it's not opening back up. And even going back like to talking about commercial properties, like 
my back, I was, I worked in oil and gas before I ventured into fitness. And to be honest, the biggest overhead that a company will have will be the lease on the building. If they're now proving that they can work from home, yeah. uh, then suddenly they can cut their overhead and appeal more, appeal, they'll be more appealing to clients in terms of their cost. So I, I'm kind of interested to see, especially in Glasgow as well, how that's going to work moving forward. I know people have long-term leases, et cetera, but if they can, if they can cut that, that kind of overhead or reduce their office size, then what's it going to look like for town? Because the amount of businesses that are affected by that, you get dry cleaning services, restaurants, bars, coffee shops, as a knock-on effect, and everybody taxi drivers. So keen to see how things look. I think you'll see the change though from a commercial use of people applying for domestic use in yeah. flat, flat living city centre. Because as I say, I think there's so many commercial buildings in Glasgow that are just empty. But, um, there's not really a lot of uh, like that domestic living in the city centre, so I think that will change too. Yeah. But if you, if you, anyone who's been to Glasgow knows if you take uh, half a dozen steps away from the main thoroughfares, you're in the middle of these, uh, are they Victorian houses, these sort of grand houses that are all now offices and accountants and things and lawyers and things like that nowadays. Uh, but these clearly were grand family homes once upon a time. Uh, Lynn, do you, is that the future for, for those areas of Glasgow that they revert back to residential? Yes, I'm actually living in one of the areas now. So I'm up in an area of Park Circus in Glasgow. So it's literally a walk into Glasgow city centre. So we're up on the hill. So back in the industrial revolution, you better quality of air. But it turned then from being beautiful houses to the kind of thriving work area where you can never get a car park space. Now, obviously, the, the council, the last um, 20 years, they've been moving people back into like free purpose-built offices because of the cable and obviously internet came in. So yes, it's very much that um, even if the buildings are keeping the beautiful facades and turning them into back to being domestic residents again. Um, can I come in here? Yes, uh, I'd like to ask Lynn and the boys, um, is there anything going on in Glasgow that is unique to Glasgow or, or maybe there's some Scottish government initiative which helping all, all Scotland, but is particularly having a good effect in Glasgow, that is helping small businesses or is helping people who want to start their businesses. Is there something unique that you could teach the rest of the country, for instance? Well, I know the Scottish government launched last week um, a digital boost funding, and it was um, they'd released on the, mon the Monday or the Tuesday morning um, at nine o'clock, they did £10 million funding to help businesses digitalise where they were going, whether it was a new website, whether it was apps or whatever, by lunchtime, well, before lunchtime, it was already oversubscribed. So they're looking at that again. So they it's have- It's not a lot of money, is it? 10 million? No, I think they yeah. initially thought that was going to be quite a lot of money that they, mm. they weren't going to be inundated, but they, they were obviously inundated because as we've just been discussing in this call today, yeah. we're, we're going there with business. But it is interesting that uh, businesses are looking for that sort of support. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Well, it's if you're looking at changing your business model and you're not bringing in money, you've still got to either borrow money to actually convert your business into being digitalized. So, so mm -hmm. it's it's um, any funding that you can get to actually change your model is key. Mm -hmm. um, Glasgow identified eight key growth sectors. You know, they've got a strategy around all this stuff. They identified digital technology, and we've been talking about that, business and finance, 
creative economy, low carbon, life sciences, engineering, design and advanced manufacturing, tourism and events, um, and a higher further education. That that was that was where Glasgow was going. They were going yeah. to they were going to really concentrate on those areas. Has the pandemic blown that strategy off course? Yes, definitely. We we don't actually hear about those sectors. The one sector that we constantly talk about is women in tech. There's a, a um, the digital minister has actually pledged quite a lot of money for women working in the tech industry. There's different places that hubs that are popping up in Edinburgh and Glasgow to support women in the tech industry. And I suppose going forward, that's where we're going to be. Really, that's the industry for women. Um, so there's a lot of funding with that, but I think it's all about survival is the key message this year. It's, it's... Sorry, yeah, go on, Mickey. I, I was gonna say, Lynn, should we touch on the subject of the elephant in the room, Scottish independence? <laughs> is, is that gonna have any impact on the Scottish business fraternity? Yes. In yeah. what way? Um, well, people are, I don't know about you guys, um, but for businesses here, people are worried about what's going to happen. I mean, as Scotland as a nation, we probably couldn't have afforded or could afford to actually have a furlough scheme if we had independence. That's one key thing. And, and I think people look at, Scots are very passionate people, and I think they just rule with their heart and sometimes they look at the big picture. Um, because the sums just don't add up to actually go being an independent. I'm well, there, there have been no sums. I mean, no, the politicians never talk figures when they <laughs> talk about independence. Um, it's almost as if it's all going to fall into place magically. And we know that's not the case. I don't know, Mickey. Brexit. <laughs> Mickey, we had quite a lot of sums when we were <laughs> deciding whether or not to leave the EU. <laughs> not not all the whole, of them added doesn't up. The whole, doesn't the whole Brexit result show us that the economics and the arguments around economics actually don't matter because no. the economic case before Brexit was in the long run, this could be very damaging for Britain. And people said, we're going to have it anyway. And I go back before we joined the common market in 73 and you'd be surprised. We actually survived. We didn't survive very well, but you know, the economy still chugged along and, and that's what's happening now. It's never as bad as the politicians like to make out. I don't know. Um, I would say it's, it's the elephant in the room and people don't really want to talk about it because if you don't, if you're not... Well, it's in, boring, isn't it? I know, but if you're not <laughs> in anything, you just stay quiet. Um, can, I, can I steer us therefore back on to slightly safer <laughs> 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 uh, waters? Um, what, what about COP26? I mean, we mentioned it. It is the biggest gathering of world leaders uh, ever in the UK, I think. Um, the, uh, obviously, uh, Joe and Tony, you'll be out there getting them all fit <laughs> while they're here. But, you know, what, what pins, what hopes are being pinned on COP26 to help with recovery? Well, in the area where it's going to be taking place, there's hotels popping up left, right and centre and in the city centre. So, um, further in the city centre, I should say. So hopefully the, res the the hospitality industry will have a big turn from this, from all the restaurants and bars um, and hotels. Um, so I would say that's a really good thing to support the Glasgow economy straight away. 
if it's open. Well, that's that, <laughs> it's that's open by then, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge knock-on effect for other businesses as well. I mean, they're they're not really talking too much about it just now, which is a bit worrying. So let's see if it actually happens. Fingers could crossed. they do it? Could they do it on Zoom? Can you imagine such a call? <laughs> I, I, I think uh, the the one thing that I've heard is that the Americans under you know in the new Biden administration really want this to happen. Yeah, and they've told the British government this. So I would say the chances are it will happen. Well, that'd be great, great for the city. Yeah, you used to say press the flesh. You can't go that far these days, but certainly I'm sure the politicians, particularly the, the new Democratic president of the US, will, will want to meet European allies, friends, yeah. whatever he wants to call them. Yeah. And it's probably give it new impetus. I mean, you, 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 you're always frightened of bringing up the subjects of climate in front of Donald Trump. But then again, I suppose you were frightened of bringing up most things in front of Donald Trump. So perhaps it means that, you know, climate change, climate control is mm. going to get a new boost, which will yeah. benefit business. Yeah. yeah. Can I go back to the Burns brothers and just ask them, do they know of any schemes in the Glasgow area or have they used any schemes that have helped their business? I think as Lindsay is a digital boost funding, we took advantage of that. We're lucky again, quickly enough. Yeah, also the grants as well that are available, we've took advantage of them as well. And I know, I don't know for other people, but maybe been pretty difficult, but for us it's been pretty easy, yeah, the application process, going to your local council, um, apply through there, and it's just been consistent okay. from the, the government, so in that aspect it's been yeah, okay for us. The digital for us was good because obviously we have went digital, so we got to invest in some new equipment, so the way it worked was they gave you like, it was up to five grand personal business, they would give you 75%, you would get quotes and stuff for your, like for whatever project you were taking, like undertaking, give them a quote, they would give you 75% and you foot the other 25%. So it wasn't quite, you got 100% kind of, you know, free money, which it's is fine at the end of the day. Hand. The equipment that we managed to get to kind of make our, our services more professional. Excellent. Really, so yeah. Very easy. Excellent. So, over, so overall, what would you say then in terms of how good the Scottish government has been at rising to this challenge? Yeah. I think for us, we can't complain just now based on what we've we try not to pay too much attention to the politics and, and just more what they've delivered for us and in fairness yeah they've, they've delivered very well as Tony said with a regular like regular grant payments which really helps like obviously with our premises and stuff we, certainly at the start we weren't bringing in any income and we decided to offer a lot of things for free because we realised the position that other people were in they were losing jobs they didn't have money so we tried to kind of give something back as well we were fortunate enough to be in a position to do I that I think it's really important for well-being just now yeah, yes. I think that's a big thing. And back to myself and Joe, when we were first locked down, it's pretty hard seeing you've not got a structure to your life, like getting up in the morning, setting yeah. your alarm and getting up, something like that, that you didn't realise until it happens. How important. And it just, you feel for the other people that aren't. Yeah. yeah. I think the government have been very good, Nicola Sturgeon, whether you're a fan or not, but she's been good because she's been there delivering a message every day. And she's been consistent through the whole pandemic. Um, the government itself, I think, as you've been saying there, have been very good with their grants, but I'd say the one area that's probably slipped through the nets has been the, the freelancers, people that have just yes. been on a business journey and have only been in business for a year. They, there was a grey area, they didn't actually get anything, so we had lots of calls about that, trying to change that for them, because they didn't know, well, none of us knew a pandemic was going to happen, so they, of course, the exciting part of starting a business a year, year and a half into it, two years, yeah. they kind of fell through 
the net has been kind of lost. So it was really difficult for them. Yes, I've lobbied the Scottish government on freelance issues in the past. And, um, you know, it's not a top priority for them. Which is a shame because it's the small businesses that are at the yeah. back, backbone of the economy. And they were the ones that were kind of overlooked, I think, through all yeah. of this. It's changing slightly, but still it's got a wee bit to go. Yeah. We, we spoke actually, so we, we've opened, we were operating for just over a year when lockdown happened. Had we ventured into our business a year later, we probably wouldn't be here right now talking to you guys today, or it may be in a very different tone, very different topic. Yeah. So, so we are only talking based on experience. Yeah, so it's very hard for other people. We feel, feel for people that only started because there's probably a lot of creative people out there that just weren't just wrong place, wrong time, or right place, wrong time. Yeah. This is a shame. We feel sorry for people, you know. Guys, what, well, what, what about your suppliers? I mean, I assume you rent property. Um, as your landlord said, you know, well, don't worry about it for the next two months, lads. We'll, we'll worry about it afterwards. Or has, has he always insisted you pay up on time? We got in touch at the start, but then what they said, they were quite relaxed to start with, like, look, let's see what happens with the grants, because at the time they were just discussing how they were going to divvy up kind of uh, government grants towards small businesses, etc. So we kind of said, right, okay. So, I mean, luckily enough, we, we were quite fortunate with the money. We kept money in our business to make sure that we always had money for a rainy day. That was really important. And um, we're lucky that both our partners have been very supportive of us as well in this journey. Um, so we always had to make sure that we had our overheads covered, always had our leases covered. So, but at the same time, they were they would have been lenient. But then the grants came in, so we thought, well, we'll just we'll just go for it and, yeah. and just continue. And it, do you know what? Everything's kind of worked out for us, Mickey. We can't really complain at the way things have been. We've managed to thrive in, in such a horrible situation. So, yeah, it's, it's been a very we're, we're lucky to be in a very fortunate position at the moment. We're very pleased for you to be in that position, which is great. Uh, we have been hearing a lot of our podcasters saying very, very similar things. Uh, thank you ever so much. When this is all over, we'll come up to Glasgow. My sister lives there too, so we'll come, <laughs> We'll have an excuse to come up to Glasgow and see everybody. Um, Lynn, Put her through her pasties. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, going to, I was going to say in the meantime, if you need... I was going to say, if, in the meantime, if you need an older person to uh, try out some of your moves on, we'll send you Mickey. Lynn, <laughs> 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 uh, Tony and Joe, thank you ever so much. Uh, Simon, Declan, what are we looking out for this week? Anything this... of note? There's nothing big on the political agenda this week, but it's all building up towards the budget at the beginning of March. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch some of the politics going on in Westminster, uh, uh, talking about Scotland, there's a bust up going on on the SNP, even though they're doing so well in the opinion polls, but it's all between the Salmon people and Nicola. And um, it's now having repercussions in London because they sacked Joanna Cherry, who's one of their most effective spokespeople last week, because she's a Salmon supporter. So that's having an effect. There's definitely rumblings now in the Labour Party about Keir's leadership, whether that is temporary or whether it's long-term, we don't know. And Boris at the moment, he's in the best place he's been for quite a few months. Uh, but, you know, with Boris, it could all go very wrong. Well, his hairstyle is very telling at the moment. <laughs> at I least think, he's got think, one. Uh, <laughs> that's true, but I think the better he's doing, uh, yeah. the less chance he's, the less time he's got to run a comb through it. Declan, <laughs> anything on something the business front? Something that really jumped out of the discussion we've just had was the importance of digital 
for businesses yeah. big and small in the future. Joe and Tony talk about how they do so much of their coaching and training by uh, Zoom now. And Lynn mentioned the impact that uh, digital is having on the high street in Glasgow as well. And when you were talking about what can the Scottish government do to help, it did cross my mind. Well, helping small business invest in digital skills might be uh, a something that would be uh, quite uh, fruitful. Um, the other thing is climate. Uh, climate is something that uh, were it not for Brexit, were it not for coronavirus, we'd be talking about it all the time because it's changing business all around us. Just this week, two of the biggest companies in the country, BP and Shell, both big oil companies, both working out how on earth do we get from fossil fuels to renewable energy while still keeping the business rolling, still paying all those fat dividends into uh, pension funds uh, across the city. Shell had a £16 billion loss last year, BP an £18 billion loss last year. In both cases, uh, it was both companies recognising oil is going to be less valuable to us in the future and we have to reinvent what we do. Well, um, on the digital point, maybe, Simon, um, that's something we should be saying to the Chancellor. It's a big issue, a big put, issue. Put a big chunk of money in the budget. But it just shows you £10 million in Scotland is not enough. No, absolutely not. Definitely not, not even for the city of Glasgow. Yeah. But thank you ever so much uh, to Lynn, uh, Tony and Joe for uh, telling us about the situation in Glasgow and your own personal businesses. That's been really, really interesting. Um, and thank you, of course, to Simon and Declan for keeping us up to date. Uh, Mickey will be back in Leeds next week, looking at the situation hey there. Hey up. <laughs> and in the meantime, thanks to the team, uh, Harry, Ben and George, for keeping us on track. The and boys. No, 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 no. I don't call them that. <laughs> No, I do. They're the, they're, they're they the are people. compared to me. Well, that's it's Liz's boy band. That, that's, that's true, but without them, I, I tell you what, guys, without them, we wouldn't be on air at all. So. We know, we know. They're great. They're the, they're the most vital um, cogs in this. They're the brains. Wheel. They're the brains. So catch up with all our conversations, our interviews, and our podcasts on the website, backinbusiness.org.uk. And if you want to take part or you want to comment, tell us your experiences, tell us about your business, then email, contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Find us on LinkedIn or we're on Twitter at business underscore backing. See you next week in Leeds. Bye.